This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. If you, like me, have ever left anything on an airline, an airplane, and realized, oh, crap, well, maybe I'll just call the lost and found tomorrow and see if somebody turned it in. Uh -uh. Nope, sorry, don't know what you're talking about. Well, then you will be either happy or, come on now, with this story, a passenger on a flight in Vietnam, his flight was from Hanoi to Da Nang, and while the flight attendants were cleaning that plane, they found an envelope, or actually a wallet, with $45,000 in cash. <laughs> in the wallet. It had an ATM card and other personal documents, along with, maybe you didn't hear me correctly, $45,000 in cash. So instead of deep-pocketing that bad boy, which... I may have, it certainly would have gone through my mind to deep pocket that bad boy. Now, they didn't deep pocket it, they turned it in. And they didn't even receive a call from this guy. They found out who he was, obviously, from the wallet, and they contacted him. And then he, oh yeah, that uh, sure is, thank you. Wish I would have remembered my wallet with my ATM card and my identification and $45,000 in cash in it. So he was kind enough. And this is, I mean, he got forty-five grand back. He was kind enough to write a thank you letter. Huh? Now, now how happy are you that you didn't deep pocket that bad boy? I mean, he wrote a thank you letter to the flight attendants and the counter workers. Now, I don't know if it was multiple letters or if it was just one letter addressed to the flight attendants and the counter workers. Hey, thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Matt, you know what? Good for the flight attendants for turning it in. Bless their hearts. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> Now, I wonder if a guy like, let's say, Hunter Biden, would he have turned that wallet in? I think you know the answer to that question. I mean, we know Hunter is up to no good, from his shady foreign business dealings to his lies in the media, and it appears that the Bidens are working overtime to cover up Hunter's laundry list of scandals, doesn't it? And they're getting a little help with media and big tech as well. That's why the filmmakers behind the Gosnell movie are making My Son Hunter, the Hunter Biden movie, to put an end to this Biden media cover-up. My Son Hunter is going to expose it all. The shady foreign business deals, the laptop, and my favorite, more. But they need your help to do it, and they need your help to make the movie and be able to uh, expose the shady foreign business deals, expose the laptop information, and more. Hollywood is not going to fund this film. It's too controversial. 
and exposes some of the most powerful people in the world. <gasps> we wouldn't want to make a film about that. But my man, Phelan MacLear and his wife, definitely want to make this movie, and they need your help to do it. They're independent filmmakers, and with your help, your gift of $10, $50, 100 or more if you can spare it, will help stop this Biden media cover-up and make My Son Hunter. Your donation also is 100% deductible. Go to MySonHunterMovie.com right now. Make your donation and let's help make this important film. And it really is an important film. We need to get this information out there. MySonHunterMovie.com Help them out, whatever it is. And, and you go to the website and they give you examples. If you donate so much, you, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, you're part of making this movie. And whether it's a dollar or $10 or $50 or $100 or, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, donate, it's tax deductible. You heard me say that, right? MySonHunterMovie.com. MySonHunterMovie.com. So yesterday, we did the story about the uh, Amarillo Animal Management and Welfare Pound in Northwest Texas. And everyone was mad at them. And I say everyone. Uh, the story was about people who were mad at them for naming one of their dogs COVID and he needed to be adopted. Now, it's said in the story that, I mean, 25 to 30% of the dogs that show up here get euthanized. So anything they can do to get these animals adopted is huge, right? And so, I mean, I couldn't see really a bad thing. I mean, it's bringing notice to the dog. In fact, I think, I was, <laughs> I was talking to someone last night, uh, Justin, from he runs the board for the Blaze Radio Network. He's one of the producers. And uh, he was saying, well, they should just start naming them all after all the pandemics. Yes. Name every one of them after a pandemic. I mean, we need we need little variant two and maybe just 19 and COVID and Spanish flu and uh, swine flu. Name them all after a pandemic because here's, here's a little tip for you. When you adopt your animal... You can name it whatever you want, <laughs> right? You can name your animal whatever you want. It doesn't have to be the name that they called it at the shelter. I mean, it's just incredible. So I told you, I told you that no, this dog absolutely would be adopted, uh, 100%. And so while I was talking to you about the story, uh, I emailed them. I emailed the shelter because their uh, name of the shelter was in the story. And I looked it up online, their phone number, and the phone number just went to voicemail. I left a message, but I also emailed them because I wanted to know. And I emailed them and I said, hey, has the dog named COVID been adopted? Thank you for your time. I'm doing a story about it. I'm not against the name, FYI. I wanted them to be able to answer it. So, you know, I didn't want them to get their, you know, get their feathers all in a ruffle. So their person emails me back six hours later, uh, last, last evening, and this is their response. The dog formerly known as COVID, now called Carl, was placed with one of our rescue partners. Carl is no longer available for adoption at our facility. 
best, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And I told you, there's no way that dog doesn't get adopted. After that story, no way. Uh, hundreds of people were emailing, calling, coming to get COVID. But I say, if you are the Amarillo Animal Management and Welfare Pound, your new platform should be, we name all our animals that we want adopted after pandemics. And I just, you just go down the list, man. Now, I'm not saying, don't you dare, don't you dare name a dog China flu. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, you can name it, you know, South African variant. You could name it, uh, you, you could name it the uh, European variant. You can just name it variant. You can name it double mutant variant, or maybe just mutant, or maybe just variant, or double. <laughs> you can name it whatever number it's called, the variant number, B170204. But after every pandemic, every, any kind of pandemic, any kind of sickness, any kind of flu, anything, man, I would name every animal after that. You become the face of these animals, man. People will be adopting them left and right. Just an idea from chewing the fat. And before you say thank you, you're welcome. All right, so one holds and one folds. Facebook uh, sent to their oversight board about former President Donald Trump's ban on Facebook and Instagram. So it went to the oversight board, which is a completely independent board from Facebook. I'm sure it was funded by a grant from Facebook, but it's politically independent from the company. Right. Well, they decided that they needed to uphold the ban of former President Donald Trump on Facebook and Instagram. Now, remember, they originally banned him uh, after the Capitol riots, and they shortly after suspended him, and then they said, oh, we needed to do a 90-day a uh, check-in after the ban, a review, and they had so many letters from the public commenting on the ruling that they decided, well, let's just, you know, we'll postpone it now until, until later. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Now, you know, don't forget that the board ruled that uh, Trump's posts on January 6th contributed to the violence of the Capitol riot. And in maintaining an unfounded narrative of electoral fraud and persistent calls to action, Mr. Trump created an environment where a serious risk of violence was possible. Huh. Okay. Well, that's nice of them. So, uh, they told Facebook, you know, this, we're still going, we're going to uphold it, but you need to go ahead and maybe make a decision within the next, I don't know, six months. And you need to determine, to determine and justify a proportionate response that is consistent with the rules that are applied to other users of its platform. <laughs> so once again, that they do that, but that means that, well, we're, we're leaving the door open for Trump to be back on the platform at some point. I mean, how could you live life without being on Facebook or Instagram? Right, President Trump? I mean, I know you started your website 
so that you can post stuff on your website and then everybody will post about it on Facebook and Instagram. So it, it isn't really like you're posting it. <laughs> it's just insane. And don't forget the oversight board, which uh, you remember we first talked about that when they first announced it, who was going to be on the board. And uh, my favorite person on the oversight board for Facebook is uh, my girl, Helly Thorning-Schmidt, the former prime minister of Denmark. Remember her? Yeah, that's Obama's girlfriend. So, no surprise she's voting against Trump. And uh, so Facebook uh, holds, and another company folds. Peloton. Remember when Peloton said, hey, um, the warnings about its Tread Plus are inaccurate and misleading there's no reason for children above 16 to stop using the machine. I want to be clear. Okay? We're not recalling our Pelotons. Yeah, well, they went ahead then. Now uh, they're going to recall their uh, Tread and Tread Plus treadmills now. <laughs> the uh, executive officer, chief executive officer, the CEO, John Foley, uh, urged owners of his machines to check safety warnings and, you know, you'll be fine. Just check the safety warnings. You'll be fine. But today he's decided that, oh man, we, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and recall our Peloton and Peloton Plus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we made a mistake in our initial response to the Consumer Product Safety Commission's request that we recall the Tread Plus. So, we should have really engaged more productively with them from the outset. Uh, for that, I apologize. So we're going to go ahead and be issuing a recall for both the Tread and Tread Plus. And you know what? We're going to stop selling them too. And we're going to stop distributing them too. Just, you know what? Let's just pull them all off. <laughs> that is incredible that they buckled. They buckled down hard. I mean, I think they had one death and a few injuries, right? I'm not, I'm not even sure how many injuries there were after this. I don't think this is the story even. I don't even know if they know. So apparently stock prices fell uh, almost almost 10%, you know, 8.8%, which, you know, is quite a bit of money. And I'm sure that uh, the board was like, dude, what are you doing? And so there, yeah, okay, there were dozens of incidents of children being sucked beneath the treadmill. Okay, when you have a treadmill, you do not, I mean, what are you doing letting your kids, your kids are being sucked underneath? What are you doing? That's not, that's not Peloton. I remember talking about this now. Yes. Come on now. It's Peloton's fault that your kid is getting sucked under the treadmill. I'm sorry that. One person passed away. I'm sorry that your kid got hurt if it got sucked onto the the treadmill. But that's not Peloton's fault. But apparently it is. So they're going to go ahead and go ahead and recall those. And I don't know if they just put them in the warehouse and let them sit there and collect a little dust and then ship them back in a few months and say, here you go. Uh, looks good to go. Make sure you make sure you read all the read all the safety protocols for this bad boy. You know. Like not letting your kids on it, that kind of thing. Just incredible. But they folded, baby. So Facebook holds, Peloton folds. Well, I mean, not really folds, but recalls.
So we found out what uh, killed Prince Philip uh, when he died at the age of 99 on April 9th of this year. We figured, you know, he had uh, heart problems. He had uh, heart surgery, was battling an infection to a pre-existing heart condition uh, earlier this year before he passed away. We found out his full name, his death certificate, lists his name as His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, formerly known as Prince Philippos of Greece and Denmark, formerly known as Philip Mountbatten. Also, it lists his occupations, which include naval officer and Prince of the United Kingdom. So, uh, they had four kids. He and Queen Elizabeth had four children. Prince Charles, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, and Prince Edward, Earl of Wessex. He served, they had eight grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. So, uh, we found out, according to his death certificate, uh, why he died. Old age. There you have it. So, don't worry about it. Move on with your life, okay? Now you know. He was 99. He was just shy of 100 years old. Sure, he had a whole bunch of underlying conditions. But that doesn't mean that that stuff caused his death. He died because of old age. Move on. Speaking of dying or not dying, I see a story where this uh, good Samaritan jumped into the ocean and and into this bay of water to save uh, this baby that was thrown into the bay. It was in Maryland. A a fantastic story. And uh, I'll tell you about the story. but, But in the story, it talks about how the car was in a crash and it uh, hit the guardrail of the uh, bridge crossing at uh, Ass of a Woman Bay. I guess it's Asa Woman Bay in Maryland. A-S-S-A-W-O-M-A-N Bay. And the crash had the one vehicle hit the guardrail, which sent this little two-year-old out of her car seat and into the water some 25 feet below. Now, you would think that perhaps the child wasn't in the car seat properly. I don't know how the kid gets thrown out like that, but uh, that's another story because the kid gets thrown out. Now, you see that, all right? You see that. And what happens? I mean, do you just go, oh, crap, look at that. (laughs) What just flew out of that car? Was it a kid? So one good Samaritan, uh, they're calling him, who was a couple of vehicles back, saw the baby, you know, go flying into the ocean. He jumps over. He jumps over to save the kid. And he does. Amazing. And there was a boater in the water who caught some of it on video and saw the guy you know, saw the kid go into the water, saw the guy jump over the bridge and then save the guy jumps over, saves the baby. And, you know, the boat, you know, moves up to rescue the guy and the baby. So what the guy probably didn't know, apparently, according to the boater is that, uh, it was only like four or five feet deep in that area. So, I mean, that doesn't mean anything for the kid, but it means a lot if you're jumping off of that 25 foot bridge, uh, you know, depending on, uh, you know, where you're going over, you hurt yourself real bad hitting the bottom of the ass of a woman bay. But he didn't, obviously, or at least he didn't hurt himself bad enough to not save the baby. And he 
you know, saved the baby. They claim that this person, the rescuer, wants to remain anonymous. Good for him. The little girl was flown to John Hopkins Children's Center in Maryland. Seven, seven other people were transported by vehicle to nearby hospitals. Wow. So you don't want to get into a wreck on the ass of a woman bridge on Sunday afternoon, man. It causes a lot of damage. So incredible this guy saved this life. Would, is, would you do that? I mean, obviously you'd like to believe that you would, right? If you're there in the traffic and you see something like that horrific happen and all of a sudden this kid goes flying out of the car uh, in all this havoc of a, of a car crash and being smashed into the guardrails and turning on its side to the next thing you know, you see a, a body, a little two-year-old kid. You don't know it's a two-year-old kid, but a little young person getting thrown out of the car into the bay. I mean, you'd like to believe that you would. You know, you don't want to be the guy that <laughs> leans over. Hey, hey, Boner, Boner, the kid, the kid. Did you see the kid fall in? You go get her because I'm not, I'm not jumping in. But the kid, man, it's horrible. I'm up here though. I mean, you don't want to be, you don't want to be that person, do you? No, no, you do not. And he wants, you know, good for this good Samaritan who wants to remain uh, you know, anonymous so that he can go about his life without having to be, you know, on every news story across around the world for being a good Samaritan for doing something that, I mean, really anyone with any kind of heart and soul would have done. All right, let's go to the break room and, uh, I need a drink because nobody <laughs> for real. If you've got any kind of heart or soul, you're, you're going, you're jumping in. You're trying to save the kid. You're, you are, you just are, you're not the guy or the woman who you know, Hey man, that's a good luck. I got my Coca-Cola zero here in my car. I'm going to go back and get a drink and I'll point you out to the boater once he gets a little bit closer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oh, she went over and over there. I mean, <laughs> that's not funny, Jeff. And I'll tell you what, the person in that crash better get a ticket for not having that child in that car seat properly. Okay. We are at a tipping point in America with 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family. Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at prestonwood.org slash chosen. All right, let's seriously, <laughs> seriously, let's go to the break room, man. I need a drink, something nice cold. Okay, for quite a while, you know, for the past week or so, I've had these stories that keep that are piling up now about Jeopardy, and it talks about uh, the guest host lineup, and they've got the final slate of guest hosts. And, you know, then we had the story about the guy that had held up the three fingers that was for three wins and everybody 
thought it was racist or not everyone they you know they're trying to crush him with his racist and he did an apology never his apology was it wasn't racist and i don't know i'm not a racist person that kind of thing my apology would have been um here's three more fingers and uh what happens when i take two down uh would have been my apology but i'm not that person and i'm not on jeopardy but then i see the headline uh yesterday because i don't really care i mean i like jeopardy but I don't really care. Uh, Alex, you know, passed away sadly and they need to make a decision. And their decision is we're going to have guest hosts and we're just going to, you know, throw the carrot out there for everyone to be a guest host. And if somebody sticks, we'll, we'll, we'll keep them, but probably not. And they, one of their producers did it. He was great. They should have just said, you know what? We're done with the guest host. This guy gets the gig and let's just move on with the show. Especially since I see the headline where CNN host Anderson Cooper uh, did Jeopardy. I think last week was his time slot. Uh, Yeah, it was. Last week was his time slot. And apparently his uh, shows draws the lowest guest host ratings in shows history. Now, I I don't know, know how far they go back with that, but... Um, you know, lowest, and I, I'm told that he was just kind of boring, but we have Bill Whitaker coming up the 60 minutes guy, Buzzy Cohen, who was, I guess, a winner and a fan favorite. We've got what's her face from big bang theory coming up. Savannah Guthrie, Doc Sanjay Gupta, Stephanopoulos, Robin Roberts, LeVar Burton, David, F- Joe Buck. I mean, Okay, they're going to be fine. Robin Roberts will be great. She's always great. LeVar Burton will be awesome, and he wants the gig. So, you know, uh, we need to make a decision. Savannah Guthrie will be, uh, you know, and the, what's her what's her face from Big Bang Theory, Ma'am Bilek or whatever her name is. She's fine, you know, but just enough is enough. We, we got it, okay? He's gone. Replay his shows. Do something. Stop forcing us to watch these other people. Give us a host and let us in on the deal. This is the host and this is who's doing it. Watch it or not. Move. <laughs> and then if we find something better in the future, we'll reboot it and we'll have Jeopardy rebooted. But the whole, this rotating thing, man, holy cow. That's got to, that has got to stop. Speaking of rotating, did you, uh, you know, we talked yesterday about uh, Melinda and Bill Gates getting a divorce, very sad, and we talked about other big divorces, uh, you know, and how, you know, marriages are been struggling thanks to COVID and uh, couples, but it came out, and I told you yesterday, the first one to come out with uh, their new, you know, person of interest that's the person who, you know, finally asked for the divorce because, you know, this has been, I mean, they've been married for 27 years and, you know, their youngest child is 18. So they probably, you know, have been struggling for a while and they're just waiting for the kids to get, you know, old enough. And, you know, they're old school that way. I, I, I get that thinking. And it's come to everyone's attention that uh, Bill was having getaways with his ex-girlfriend and, you know, they would do a extra long weekend or two every year. And they would go and uh, this uh, Ann Winblad, she's a software entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and an early Microsoft investor. So she's, you know, probably got a few bucks herself. 
And they bonded and Bill said he loved her. You know, he loved talking to her. So they would go to their weekend getaway, their annual weekend getaway at their beach cottage in the Outer Banks. And, you know, it was a great arrangement and the wife knew about it and they would go play putt-putt golf and they would discuss biotechnology. And it was just like, you know, Bill was saying to the wife, hey, I'd rather be with her and, uh, you know, ride dune buggies and play putt-putt golf and walk on the beach and talk about biotechnology with her rather than you. So it gets my, you know, my intellectual stamina. Okay. All right. You know, I get it. I get it. I do. But I love the guy that wrote this article that I read earlier today. What's his name? Does it say his stupid name at the top of his article? Yeah, Matt, Matt Kehan. Matt, K-E-O-H-A-N. Matt, very funny. Very funny at the end. He talked about... Uh, uh, them getting together, and he talked about them playing by different rules. But his last his last line in the story is really funny. He said that, uh, now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go ask my wife if I could meet up for coffee with my ex. If I've never heard from again, my debit card pin is 9278. <laughs> really funny. Really funny. Now, I, that my, my, my rule still stands. Because this one doesn't count. This is this is Bill's lifelong little have fun partner. He's still going to want that. And he'll go crying to her for a week and be sad. But uh, we knew it was over a long time ago. You knew that, Bill. I know, Anne. Can we just go dune bugging? Yes. Okay, Bill. Let's go. But uh, the first one that shows up with someone new. And I'm, it's probably the wife. But I don't know that. But the first one that shows up with someone new, that's the one who asked for a divorce. Because Bill's not going to ask for a divorce because of her. He's got both of them in his, what, there's no point. He's got her and he's got the wife. Why ask for a divorce? It's just silly. Now, unless he's met someone else. So the first one to show up, my rule still stands. The first one to show up with the, with the new one. That's the one. That's the one that asked for it. I mean, the old girlfriend, Anne, she is married to this guy named Alex Klein, who is the actor, Kevin Klein's brother. I guess he's a, private investigator and, uh, you know, has his own full service private investigation agency called Alex Klein investigation and research service. I mean, he's been married to, uh, Winblad for about nine, I don't know, six or seven years ago, something like that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what caused the divorce. That's just a little, you know, intrigue to the, re to the rest of the story, but I'm pretty sure that's not what caused the divorce. And they didn't have a prenup either. Just amazing that they didn't have any kind of prenup. She's got some money. Bill's, Bill will throw 20 or 30 billion her way and life will be good. <laughs> Guaranteed. She's got a lot of money. They want the divorce. She gets, uh, she'll take one of the houses somewhere, not the main house. Bill can have his little main house up in Washington and she'll take, you know, 30, 40 billion and just leave me alone. I'll still, according to their release, they were still going to work together at the foundation, right? Which, <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, you know, so she can still do her foundation work. Maybe she'll just do, you know, I don't want to be there when Bill's there. And the foundation could do this, but we're not having any meetings with Bill when Bill's there. 
and she'll still do the foundation, still take the cash from the foundation. Plus she takes 20 or 30 billion from Bill. So we leave Bill with the hundred billion. So he doesn't, you know, drop below that hundred billion mark. And we all go our happy little way. There, there you go. I've taken care of forever you, Bill. Call me. You don't need to call Warren Buffett's hundred year old attorney. Call me. I'll set it up for you, Bill. No problem. But if you need to talk, Bill or Melinda, you need somebody to talk to, you need a shoulder to cry on, <laughs> I'm here for you, okay? So, call me. Before I remind you to subscribe to this podcast, I'll tell you about uh, the Samsung Airs. Speaking of billions of dollars, the Samsung Airs said they're going to pay approximately $10.8 billion in inheritance tax. I know! So the Samsung chairman, the family head, Lee Kun-hee, uh, died last year. And now the, the they're going to have to uh, give $10.8 billion. They worked out a deal. Now, he was sentenced to three years in prison, the old man, for evading taxes and then, on a then-secret inheritance from his father. So his father gave him a secret inheritance so they didn't have to pay the inheritance tax. And then there you go. Uh, you know, he, then the government got involved and, you know, oh, sure. The son spent a little time in jail for bribery. So what, but they, uh, were looking for, uh, you know, some more windfalls. And then, so the government's total estate tax, they're going to get $10.8 billion, six payments, five years, six payments, five years. So that gives them, you know, time to gather all the bank loans and cash from dividends and divestments from Samsung holdings. But that's what's coming to the U S man. That is in South Korea. That is coming. That's what Joe Biden, your president of the United States of America. No, our, I'm sorry. Our president of the United States wants that inheritance tax. And that is just unbelievable to me that we are going to allow that here in the United States of America, but it's coming. And the rest of the world is having at it too. So good for them. Makes you happy, right? It makes you glad. It makes you want to work hard and have a whole bunch of money to leave your kids because they're going to just have to give it over to the government. And I don't really know if it's part of the deal, but the family also said they're going to donate 23,000 artworks and antiques that make, you know, most mu museums look like Beanie Baby collections featuring a Dolly and a Monet and a Picasso uh, and many other iconic artists. So um, they want to, they believe that these donations will hold up what the old man uh, wanted to have his legacy be and contribute to the creation of a better society. Well, gosh darn it, I hope that paying your $10.8 billion in inheritance tax over the next five years and donating all these pieces of artwork and antiques that could probably help you pay your tax by the way uh make you feel better and i hope that you too are creating a better society now if you're asking yourself how can you better society one of the ways you can better society is become a subscriber to this podcast <laughs> if you're listening to this show right now and you're not a subscriber my gosh what are you doing with your life you are not bettering society what you are is just a freeloader you're listening to one of your friend's devices and you're thinking, man, I love this show, but I, you know, I, I just want, I want to sneak around listening to it. What you need to do is subscribe and become a freeloading subscriber. It's free. 
You might as well. You can do it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and just become a subscriber yourself. And then that way you know that you're going to contribute to the creation of a better society by subscribing to Chewing the Fat. So a federal judge ruled on Monday, if you're listening live today on the 5th of May, 2021. Uh, hey, it's Cinco de Mayo. Hey, at the Cinco, Cinco de Mayo. Go have fun and get drunk. It's really not the way the song goes, but it's the only thing that came to my mind. So a federal judge ruled Monday of this week that an anonymous accuser of Kevin Spacey must reveal his identity or the $40 million sexual assault lawsuit uh, goes away, gets dismissed. <laughs> Have a nice day. The judge, Kaplan, wrote in his 20-page memorandum opinion, reported noting how the anonymous accuser shared his story with the press and other people. As the media coverage of the allegations against Spacey grows, as would be very likely as the litigation proceeds and a trial approaches or takes place, it's only common sense to say that the risk of disclosure would grow, noting that the accuser has 10 days to refile the lawsuit under his real identity. There's a serious charges, and as a result, it's put his credibility in issue. CD, that's what it goes by, uh, desire for anonymity in this case against the House of Cards star, uh, new, 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 new. So, uh, the allegation was that uh, Spacey was uh, sexually abusing him in the 80s when he was 14. He filed the lawsuit against the actor in September, and he filed it with co-plaintiff and Star Trek Discovery star Anthony Rapp, who said that uh, Spacey made sexual advances towards him as a teenager in the 80s at a party while the two worked together on Broadway. Okay. Now, uh, the judge said that is correct that the public generally has an interest in protecting those who make sexual allegations so that they are not detoured from vindicating their rights. It does not follow that the public has an interest in maintaining the anonymity of every person who alleges sexual assault or other misconduct of a highly personal nature. For the foregoing reasons, C.D. has not shown that his privacy interest is sufficient to warrant allowing him to litigate his sexual assault allegations anonymously. Accordingly, on balance, the public interest does not weigh in favor of C.D.'s use of a pseudonym. So it's probably over because C.D.'s attorney, Mr. Anonymous, or Miss Anonymous, uh, but we sure it's a mister, uh, previously stated that his client feels extreme anxiety and psychological distress at even the thought of being required to proceed publicly and would discontinue his claims if the judge ordered him to proceed publicly. So, I mean, that right there lets Kevin off the hook. So we'll see what happens. He's got, uh, what, today is uh, Wednesday, so he's got, uh, you know, seven, eight more days before he has to file, he may try it. But now, after saying that he would, that he feels extreme anxiety and psychological distress at, be, at being known publicly, 
Uh, so if he actually does file the claims, I mean, Kevin's got a great case to go against him. The, why would you say that and then go publicly? All you want is just the money. None of what you're saying is true. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But this case could be out the window. And Kevin could be uh, not having to give up that extra $40 million out of his uh, out of his wallet. Wow, did you see? Also, I mean, uh, you know, Bezos got his uh, panties in a wad when uh, Elon got the uh, billion-dollar contract with NASA from the, you know, from the government, and so uh, he made the government pull back their money to to Elon and, and check. Well, we need to recheck because we don't know if it was fair or not. So now Bezos has said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to do a." A uh, suborbital sightseeing trip on the new Shepard spacecraft on July 20th. Oh, so we've upped. I thought Blue Origin was taking a little back seat, but no. He really wants that NASA money, man. He wants that government deal bad. So I guess they're also offering a seat on the first flight to a winner of a, of a bid on the online auction. Of course, the proceeds are are going to be donated to the Space Firm's foundation. Duh. The seat will change how you see the world. No doubt. It would be really cool to be on that flight. I bid a dollar. I bid a dollar. And I want to be on the, I want to be on the flight. And so, what do you say, uh, Jeff? You going to let me on for a dollar? I don't think so. So, I guess uh, Blue Origin said a couple years ago they were going to charge a couple hundred thousand for a ride. So we'll see, which actually, that's about what uh, Virgin Galactic is going to charge. Virgin Galactic's going up uh, later this year, I think, with Branson on, but they're taking, they're going to start private customer flights in 2022 next year. But I think the first flight is later this year with Branson. So Bezos is really, pu- <laughs> Bezos is really pushing him up now. He's got his, he, after he got his pan- panties in a wad, man. He was retired, and I thought he was taking a little break, but uh, Elon ticked him off. <laughs> so he's really uh, up in the game. Uh, so good luck. This is going to be a good fight. It's going to be a good fight. We got SpaceX, we got uh, Blue Origin, and we got Virgin. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Bring me the space flight. Let's go bring it on. I mean, can it get worse than just the regular airlines? I don't know. I don't know. You had the story of the uh, flight in Australia that was uh, delayed. And because they were delayed, the people on the plane had to quarantine 14 days because they were delayed by six hours. Uh, Just incredible. So they had a flight. Uh, It was scheduled to depart from Perth, Australia. And they were flying to Brisbane, and they were supposed to arrive later that day. They were going to leave at 1.40 p.m. on Friday, April 23rd, and arrive in Brisbane later that evening. So there was a mechanical issue on the plane, which delayed the flight six hours. They didn't take off till 7 p.m., which means they didn't arrive in Brisbane until after 1 a.m., which was Saturday morning. Now, they were informed, uh, yeah, it's Saturday, it's a new day. Yeah, you're going to have to go to a hotel now and spend the next two weeks in quarantine because the new order uh, went into effect at midnight. And uh, that's the way it goes. Sorry, 
just because you were in the air before it went into effect, you landed and it is in effect. So that's the way it goes. There's a three day, you know, that's the way it goes. So, uh, the new order was put in place while the flight was in the air <laughs> in response to a suspected coronavirus outbreak in Perth. So health officials in Queensland and uh, home state of Brisbane, Brisbane, uh, responded by requiring all passengers arriving from Western Australia to remain quarantined for two weeks. Now, the officials agreed to cover the cost of their hotel rooms, which was, you know, I guess kind of nice. I mean, it's nice of you to cover the cost because they were notified of the rule change, I guess, before the flight took off. So they were told, hey, we're going to be delayed and you're going to have to do this. So, I mean, I guess it gave them the chance to get off the flight, which they, you know, if you didn't do, then what are you bitching about? And they only had to spend three days in isolation. Uh, Health authorities determined that three people in Perth had contracted COVID-19. So they lifted the quarantine order and it was like, ah, that's fine. Ah, you know what? It's not as bad as we thought. We were just shooting from the hip or the lung or the nose. And uh, it's not as bad as we thought. So we're going to go ahead and lift that quarantine order. You guys were going to have to stay 14 days. Yeah, the three days fine. You're Get out of here. You're fine. Oh, okay. Just a, just weird, right? I mean, if they're just shooting from the hip and they're not really sure, why wouldn't you let that flight? I mean, I get it. I get, I understand. Don't look at me like that. If there's a big breakout, you want to quarantine. You won't want people to be sick. I get it. So just, you know, whether you're in Australia or India or the United States of America, we all want to be safe. Right? Right. Just not for 14 days after I had to fly a few hours to the other side of the country. Speaking of countries, uh, I... Did you know that France is now smaller and Belgium is now bigger? I know. I didn't realize it either. When you look at a map, it doesn't seem like it's possible that it could have happened. But apparently, uh, the, the border between Belgium and France is a stone. I know. You think that Europe would be a little bit more, you know, upgraded now? Maybe something else other than a stone, but that's what it is. It's a stone marker. And the farmer who was farming the land was sick of having to move around the stone. So he just moved the stone, which was actually a smart move. I mean, he's sick of trying to have to try to drive his tractor around this stupid stone. And, uh, you know, he, he just moved it. And he talks about, I just moved it a little bit. It was like seven and a half feet. He just got it out of the way so he didn't have to go around it with his tractor. He was sick of it being there. Well, that made Belgium bigger and France smaller. <laughs> I don't know. You know, does it make that? Come on now. I guess if you take it, you know, one little bit, just a, a little turn here is a lot down the road. Yeah, I know. I know, I know, baby. But so now, you know, I want him to, you know, move it back. And he's like, well, no, I, I, mean, I like the stone where it is. <laughs> so I guess now 
The 390-mile border, which was established under this 1820 treaty, signed after Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo, uh, the stones were placed on the border, and it was, uh, you know, first decided in 1819. Now they are simply going to say, hey, uh, Mr. Farmer, why don't you put the stone back where it was? And if he says, uh, how about no, um, I, I don't want to have to, you know, drive my tractor around the stupid thing. Uh, <laughs> well then, then there's going to be, there's going to be trouble, uh, trouble right there in river city. Uh, the France and Belgium, uh, war is going to start again. <laughs> I know, I know there's going to have to, uh, they're going to have to open a, a Franco-Belgian border commission. And that hasn't happened since 1930. And uh, the farmer could face criminal charges if he doesn't comply. What are you kidding me? If face criminal charges? Well, yeah, he moved the border stone, Jeff. Oh, okay. All right. Boy, that screws everything up. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> So for right now, right now, France is bigger. Belgium, I mean, Belgium is bigger. France is smaller. And if you get out there, I mean, we get the land surveyors out there and start surveying the land. I mean, France could be a lot smaller and Belgium could be a lot bigger, right? So, I mean, butterflies, it's just the butterfly wings of one part of the world turns into a hurricane on the other side of the world. Yeah. So you move that rock just a little bit, and then the next thing you know, you're 10 miles off. I know, I know. So let's just hope that we don't, there's no, you know, there's no war. We don't want the, uh, we don't want the Napoleon's uh, defeat at Waterloo and the 1820 treaty that was signed. We don't want that to be messed up. We don't want to have to get the Franco-Belgian Border Commission back up meeting again all the farmer has to do is move the stone back why don't they just say hey uh seven and a half feet right over there we'll put a flat marker on the ground and that's where the stone is supposed to go but we're not going to put it there so the farmer can drive his tractor over the land but the big stone there really goes where that flat piece stone is there but the farmer can still you know drive his tractor over it you know, maybe they do need to go ahead and open up the Franco-Belgian Border Commission, and that's what they can decide, because we don't want to have a war over a farmer moving the border stone. Do we? Do we? Do we?